Welcome to the Word of Life Bible Study Podcast, a work of the Southwest Church of Christ in Austin, Texas. We invite you to open your Bibles and follow along with us as we study God's Word together. Hello, everyone, and welcome to another episode of the Word of Life Bible Study Podcast, a work of the Southwest Church of Christ in Austin, Texas. My name is Cody Westbrook. I'm the preacher for the Southwest Congregation, and I'm your host for the podcast today. I invite your attention this morning to the book of Luke. And we began studying this book a couple of episodes ago. And maybe you remember from our last episode that we looked at the themes of the first two chapters. And those themes are Luke chapter 1, salvation is coming. Luke chapter 2, salvation is here. You see, one of the primary emphases of the book of Luke is that Jesus came to provide salvation to all people. We see that uh, revealed and emphasized in a number of different ways throughout the book of Luke. For example, we see Jesus uh, spending time with a number of different people who would be considered the outcast of society. We see Jesus spending time uh, teaching and preaching to people like tax collectors and sinners and publicans and so on and so forth. But we also see at the beginning and the end of the book this image, if you will, that's portrayed of of salvation for all humanity. In Luke chapter 1 and 2, there are a number of Old Testament references to the fact that the gospel will be proclaimed to all. And in Luke chapter 24, when the book ends, it ends by Jesus commanding the twelve to go and remain in Jerusalem until they are endued with power from on high, and then the command that repentance and remission of sin should be preached among all nations in the name of Christ, beginning at Jerusalem, Luke 24, verses 44 through 47. So salvation is a primary theme, an emphasis, a great emphasis in the book of Luke. So salvation is coming. Luke chapter 1, we have the announcement of Jesus and the announcement of John. And then we have salvation is here in Luke chapter 2. We read in Luke chapter 2 about the birth of Jesus. And we have these incidents in the early years, the early life of Jesus. For example, when Jesus is brought to be presented in the temple according to the law of Moses, we have the words of Simeon who says in Luke 2:29 and following, "Lord, now you are letting your servant depart in peace according to your word, for my eyes have seen your salvation which you have prepared before the face of all peoples, a light to bring revelation to the Gentiles and the glory of your people Israel." So salvation is coming, salvation is here. Now, in Luke chapter 3, we read about salvation proclaimed. Luke 3 and Luke 4, really, at least the first part of it, salvation proclaimed. Now, in Luke chapter 1, Luke told us about, by inspiration, he told us about the fact that that John would be coming and that John would be coming as a fulfillment of Old Testament prophecy in the book of Malachi. He is the forerunner to Jesus. He came to prepare the way for the Lord. And so in Luke chapter 3 then, verse number 1 and following, we read about the work that John does in preparing for Christ, in preparing the way of the Lord. Bible tells us, we're going to pick up in Luke 3 verse 3, 
that he went into all the region around Jordan preaching a baptism of repentance for the remission of sins, as it is written in the book of Isaiah, the voice of one crying in the wilderness, prepare the way of the Lord, make his path straight. Every valley shall be filled and every mountain and hill shall be brought low. The crooked places will be made straight and the rough ways made smooth. And notice this, and all flesh shall see the salvation of God. Notice again the emphasis on the fact that Jesus came to bring salvation for all. So in these verses, Luke 3, 3 through 3, 6, we have what's really a summary of the work of John the baptizer. John's job is to preach uh, remission, and as he says, preaching a message of uh, repentance, uh, baptism and repentance, excuse me, for the remission of sins. In other words, what John was preaching to the Jews in that time is a change is here, a change is coming, a transition is happening. We're moving away from the law, and we're moving into the time of Christ, a new arrangement, if you will. Matthew comments on this in Matthew chapter 3 as he records John talking about the axe being laid to the root of the trees. That which is old is on its way out. That which is new it's on, is on its way in. And so he was preaching a message that was encouraging the people to get their lives right with God. Now, incidentally, we have in Luke chapter 3, verses 7 through 18, a, a wonderful illustration of what repentance and getting your life right with God actually looks like. Because we have these examples that are given to us of people who are listening to John preaching, and we're told how they reacted. So look with me beginning in verse 7. John said to the multitude uh, that came out to be baptized him by him, Brood of vipers, who warned you to flee from the wrath to come? Therefore, bear fruits worthy of repentance, and do not begin to say to yourselves, We have Abraham as our father. For I say to you that God is able to raise up children to Abraham from these stones, and even now the axe is laid to the root of the trees. Therefore, every tree which does not bear good fruit is cut down and thrown into the fire. Notice the command bear fruits worthy of repentance. What is repentance? Repentance is a change of mind that leads to a change of action or lifestyle. Repentance, again, is a change of mind that leads to a change of action or lifestyle. Repentance involves sorrow. It involves godly sorrow. The Apostle Paul says in 2 Corinthians chapter 3. But godly sorrow is not being sorry because we got caught. Godly sorrow is a genuine sorrow, a genuine sorry, if you will, because we recognize that what we did is wrong, and we recognize that there are consequences that, that come because of the wrong that we've done. And so that godly sorrow, then, is going to produce change. When we talk about repentance, a change of mind that leads to a change of action, that change will be evident in the eyes of those who are around. And so when, when John says, bear fruit worthy of repentance, what he's saying is, don't just make a decision. Don't just think about changing. Make actual changes to your life. And so then the people ask the next question, the logical question, okay, well, what kind of changes then? Verse 10, what shall we do? Now, notice what he says. He who has two tunics, let him give to one who has none. And he who has food, let him do likewise. 
Notice that what he's describing here is selflessness and generosity. It's sacrifice. If you have two tunics and you have another person who doesn't have any, then you give him one. You share with that person. If you have plenty of food and another person has none, then you share with that person. Now, he's not commanding socialism. The emphasis here is on the generous disposition behind the sharing or the generous heart behind the giving. It's a change of mind. It leads to a change of action. Look at the next example, verse 12. Then the tax collectors also came to be baptized and said, Teacher, what shall we do? And he said to them, Collect no more than what is appointed to you. Now, tax collectors in this time were of the, among the most hated of all society. And the reason is because the Jewish tax collectors were essentially contract laborers for the Roman government. And the Roman government stipulated that so much money or so much tax was to be collected for the Romans. But then the tax collectors were given the ability to add on whatever upcharge they saw fit. So a tax collector may need to collect 30% of your income for Rome, but he might actually collect 50% and pocket the, the 20% difference. And Rome turned a blind eye to it. So when John says then to them, collect no more than what is appointed to you, notice that he's not condemning the paying of taxes. He is condemning the fact that they are, they are stealing, essentially, what is not theirs. So he says, not, he doesn't say stop collecting taxes. He says, stop taking more than what you should. Again, a change of mind that leads to a change of action. He's essentially telling them, do what's fair. Stop stealing and stop taking advantage of people. Look at the next example, verse number uh, 14. Likewise, the soldiers asked him, saying, and what shall we do? And so he said to them, do not intimidate anyone or accuse falsely uh, and be content with your wages. Notice again, John does not tell the soldiers you need to stop being soldiers. He does not tell the soldiers you need to throw down your sword and you need to become pacifist. That's not what he says. What he says is stop abusing your position. Do not intimidate people, do not accuse people falsely, and be content with your wages. In other words, don't use your position to take advantage of people. Don't use your position to falsely accuse or, or, or tell lies about people because the word of soldiers is always going to be believed by the Romans. And be content with what you're paid. Again, just like the collectors, don't steal what is not yours. So John's job in preparing the way for Christ, in proclaiming salvation, is essentially a message that says, get your life right with God. Change repentance, a change of mind that leads to a change of action. And so what that means is spelled out in these examples. It's not just a thought, but it is a concrete change, a concrete response that goes along with the thought. Now then, I know that we're kind of skipping around through the text, but I'm doing that on purpose because I want us to see in this study the themes that show up in this book. So now I want you to fast forward with me to Luke chapter 4, and I want to look at one section of Luke chapter 4 for this episode. In Luke chapter 4, beginning in verse 14, we read about the beginning of Jesus' Galilean ministry. The Bible says that Jesus returned in the power of the Spirit to Galilee, that news about him went throughout all the surrounding region, that he taught in their synagogues, being glorified by all, 
And so he comes to Nazareth, verse 16. This is his hometown. He comes back to his hometown, and as his custom was, he went into the synagogue on the Sabbath day, and he stood up to read. And there was handed to him the book of the prophet Isaiah. And when he had opened the book, he found the place where it is written, The Spirit of the Lord is upon me, because he has anointed me to preach the gospel to the poor. He has sent me to heal the brokenhearted, to proclaim liberty to the captives, and recovery of sight to the blind, to set at liberty those who are oppressed, to proclaim the acceptable year of the Lord. Then he gave the book back to the attendant and sat down, and the eyes of all who were in the synagogue were fixed on him, and he began to say to them, Today is this scripture fulfilled in your hearing. Now notice that uh, Jesus is quoting, by the way, from Isaiah chapter uh, 61, verses 1 and 2. There's also reference made to Isaiah 35, verse 5, and Isaiah 42, and verse number 7. And what Jesus is doing is he, is he is reading Old Testament prophecy, which to some extent summarizes the purpose of his mission, the purpose of his uh, coming to earth. You know, later in Luke 19.10, Jesus will say, The Son of Man has come to seek and save that which is lost. I want you to think about that for a second. That which is lost. Well, who are the lost? Look how Jesus describes things in verse 18 and 19 of Luke chapter 4. He has anointed me to preach the gospel to the poor. These are those who are without. And notice, outcast. He has sent me to heal the brokenhearted. He has uh, sent me to proclaim liberty to the captives, freedom to those who are, who are enslaved to sin, recovery of sight to the blind, liberty to the oppressed, to proclaim the acceptable year of the Lord. This is a purpose statement, if you will, for Jesus and, and why he has come. And so Jesus says in verse number 21, what you just read, what you just heard from the prophet Isaiah, that's talking about me. So salvation is coming, salvation is here, salvation is proclaimed. John says, the time is now. Change. Jesus says, the time is now. I have come to save and to redeem and to free or liberate. The time is not coming, verse number 21. The time is now. Now then, note the reaction in verse 22 through verse number 30. In verse 22, the Bible says, So all bore witness to him and marveled at the gracious words which proceeded out of his mouth. And they said, Is this not Joseph's son? Again, remember that Jesus is, is in his hometown. He is amongst people who have known him all his life. They saw him grow up. They saw him as a teenager. They've seen him as he worked with his father, uh, Joseph, as a carpenter. And so they're listening to what he's saying, and they're in awe. They're aghast. And so he says this to them. You will surely say this proverb to me, Physician, heal yourself. Whatever we have heard done in Capernaum, do also here in your own country. Then he said, Assuredly, I say to you, no prophet is accepted in his own country, but I tell you truly, many widows in Israel in the days of Elijah were, excuse me, when, many widows were in Israel in the days of Elijah when the heaven was shut up three years and six months, and there was a great famine throughout all the land. But to none of them Elijah was sent except to Zarephath in the region of Sidon to a woman who was a widow. And many lepers were in Israel in the time of Elisha the prophet, and none of them was cleansed except Naaman the Syrian. So all those in the synagogue, when they heard these things, were filled with wrath and rose up and thrust him out of the city, and they led him to the brow of the hill on which their city was built. They might throw him down over the cliff. Then passing through the midst of them, he went his way. Now, why would they react to him in the way that they did? Well, you will notice, he says, first of all, 
whatever uh, we you will surely say whatever we have done you, we have heard done in Capernaum you do those things here also note the contrast between Nazareth and Capernaum apparently in Capernaum Jesus performed many signs but he's not going to perform any in, in Nazareth well why is that the case perhaps John gives us some insight in this at the end of John chapter uh, 2 when John tells us that there were many who believed in Jesus, but Jesus did not give himself over completely to them because he knew their hearts. And one of the things, that the themes that emphasized in the book of John is the fact that there were some people that had some very fickle faith. They only believed on the surface, if you will, but they hadn't completely and entirely given their hearts and their minds over to the Lord. Well, that's the same thing that's going on here. Jesus does not do this because he knows that ultimately it's not going to matter, that they're not going to believe him, that they're going to reject him. And then he quotes or references 1 Kings chapter 17, and he talks about the widow of Zarephath, and he talks about the lepers in the time of Elijah, and the emphasis or the reason for that is this, to illustrate to them that uh, Elijah and Elisha were sent to those who were viewed as being less than, as, as those who were Gentiles, the, the, the lesser, the outcast of society, and they realized the connection. Jesus did not come to satisfy the desires of a carnal-minded nation of people. Jesus came to save those who were poor and brokenhearted and captive and blind and who, with a good heart, are ready to make a change in their life. And these folks are not. Jesus knew it. And that's the reason why they reacted in the way that they did. So in the last minute or so of our, our study today, think about this, these principles and these themes as they apply to us uh, right now in the year 2022. Salvation is here, and salvation is proclaimed. The gospel is proclaimed. The gospel is preached on a regular basis, and yet there are some people who refuse to obey. There are some people who, in spite of it being proclaimed, refuse to obey and change their lives. Why is that the case? Well, it's simply because there's a heart problem. They're not willing to bring forth fruits worthy of repentance. They're like the Pharisees that John condemns in Luke chapter 2, verses 15 and following. And again, you read about it in Matthew chapter 3. So that means that I have to make a decision. Which uh, group am I going to be uh, a part of? Am I going to be willing to make a change and to obey and to, to submit myself to the will of God as salvation through Christ Jesus is proclaimed to all people? Or am I going to be of the number that stubbornly resists him and turn my back on him. Choice is mine. That's the end of our study for this episode. As always, we're so thankful that you've chosen to take the time to study the Word of God with us, and we want to open up the doors, extend an invitation to you to come and visit with us at the Southwest Church of Christ at any time you happen to be in the Austin area. Also want to encourage you to visit our website, www.swcofc.org. And on that website, you can find archived uh, episodes of the podcast, as well as sermons from the congregation, and a number of other resources that will help you in your study of God's Word. Again, thank you so much for joining us, and we hope that you'll be back with us again next time as we open up the Bible and study more of the wonderful Word of Life. We hope you've enjoyed this episode of the Word of Life Bible Study Podcast. 
please visit our website at swcofc.org for more information about the Southwest Church of Christ. And if you're in the Austin area, please come and visit with us. Thank you for listening, and please join us again as we open up our Bibles and study more of the wonderful Word of Life.